Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. And we are live. Hello, this is Ruben Dua from the Dub Podcast, Connection Loop. And today I have with me Shane Barker. Uh, we're going to get into some really important topics, and and Shane is absolutely and totally qualified to give us some insight on how to go from being a sales and marketing interceptor to a sales and marketing influencer. And this is a magical, magical migration that takes place where instead of us having to grind on the phone, pick up, pick up the phone, start calling, sending emails, chasing people down, people actually come to us. It's all about creating our own stage. It's all about gaining influence and ultimately building relationships and connections which is what this podcast is all about so shane if you could start with a short bio and let's get into this yeah sounds good Ruben. well hey thanks for having me man i really appreciate you uh throwing out the invite yeah i think you know it's it's funny um well i'll give you guys a little background on myself which you know that's it's always so hard to come up with the title because you know when you do 40 different things um in in a nutshell, I am a, a digital strategist. I've been a digital strategist ever since digital marketing was around. I used to teach at uh, UCLA. You might have heard of that school. I know that you're from USC, so hopefully there won't be any problems or anything between us. But I'm sure we could probably figure things out and, and get along. And, I married I married a Bruin, and I'm, I'm okay. Planning, and I'm planning there we go. for my son to go to UCLA if, if there, all goes as okay. planned. <laughs> there we go. There we go. See, we're we're back on we're back on track again. So that's awesome. So. Yeah, so I, I historically taught at UCLA and I've done, I've got three separate businesses that I do. I got ShaneBarker.com, which is um, was very service-based and we moved it to an, like more of an affiliate-based model. Um, then I also have a company called Salatech where we do um, I do consulting for big Amazon companies, um, whether they're you know aggregators and stuff like that. Um, and then I have another company called Cloud Consulting where I do government consulting um, for small, medium-sized businesses. So that kind of gives you a, a little background on myself. Also, I had a podcast was, you know, the number 33 in business podcast for uh through apple so anyways all kinds of fun stuff used to own a bar you know we, we could talk about it forever all the different fun things that i've done but today what we're going to talk about is is once again being that salesperson right and saying hey what do you need to do if you i think when you were talking about this is if somebody has you know like hey i work for a company i'm kind of my hands are tied on certain things that i can do and, and i get that but at the end of the day um you're not fully tied. I mean, the sense that, you know, you have, you can build relationships with people and you can still build out your personal brand, which I think is very, very important. I mean, you see this today and I mean, using the rock as an example and, and just using him as an example, because I think we all know who he is. I mean, his personal brand is obviously huge, but you know, one of the things that he negotiates with all of his contracts is the fact that he's going to share it on his social media where he's got hundreds of millions of followers. And so the end of the day that him having some kind of a big social presence um, actually makes it so that that he brings something more to the table, right? Because then they get promotions and you can see just about anything he touches turns to gold. Now, I don't expect all of your listeners to be like The Rock. I don't expect them to have the following of The Rock. But well, the thing is, is The Rock also started as, you know, a little pebble. That's a very terrible joke. But you get my point. Like he wasn't the big rock that he is today. And that's because of personal branding. And, you know, he used to work for the WWE, right? And he used mm. to work for other organizations where he wasn't the owner, but he built out his own personal brand. And because of that, now look at him. Now he has, I mean, you know, tons of different companies. So I think what we look at when we look at this is, and that's what I did with ShaneBarker.com is I really wanted to build it into something where, um, 
where I was educating people. And what it ended up turning into is a place where people were getting educated, but I was also getting tons of inbound leads because of that. Um, I don't have a big sales team there. Um, I, and the reason I'm telling you this is because I drive 160, 100 and, oh, 160, 170,000 people a month to my website. Um, and that's because of thought leadership. Like my, the way that I got the, the, um, the gig at UCLA wasn't because there was a job and I applied for it. UCLA actually reached out to me because of the, the writing that I was doing online. And they're, they're like, hey, we're really looking for a practitioner in the influencer space. And we feel like you're that person. And of course, you know, the first time I got the, the email, I thought it was a friend playing a joke or trying to have some fun with me. And I realized it really was UCLA. And that's, that's literally how I got the job over there is because of the personal brand, because of the content that I put out, um, the exposure that I was able to receive. Because otherwise, if I wouldn't have been putting out what I was doing and how I was doing it and all that, UCLA wouldn't have just randomly looked me up in a phone book and made a call and said, let me just call this guy Shane and, you know, see what he has to say. And maybe he does, you know, marketing. I don't know. Maybe we'll strike a deal. So with this, what you have to think about is, and I, I did this, I did a, a speaking event. This was, you know, I'm not even going to tell you how long. It was like 100 years ago. I'm, I'm pretty old, but I just have really good lighting. So I might look really young to some of these people <laughs> out there, but I'm, it's the lighting. It really is. Um, I probably went to school with a lot of these people that are listening to their dads. But anyways, not to get into, to get into age. But the, the thing is, is you have to realize, like when you have these, these types of things where um, you know, I was the school that I was that I went to go speak at, and this they were all graphic designers there, hmm. and so their big thing was like, hey, they were all excited about going and working for big organizations and this, that, and the other. And I kind of told them, I said, like, hey, at the end of the day, like you, you're going to have to learn how to bring in your own business because you might not get a job at Adobe right away, you might not get a job at Apple or any of the you know whatever top 100 companies, but if you're able to build a portfolio and you're able to have a good social following and bring something else to the table that could be good exposure for in this company that you're working for, having your own personal brand and having, you know, once again, assuming that you're not gonna go anything, you know, say or do anything too crazy, which could make it so you get the job or don't get the job. But if you're putting some good stuff out there and once again, in my situation, educating the public, in this situation, it would be like, hey, how are you building your own personal brand? Because you have your own business. Right. Like at the end of the day, like you're if you don't get that job with Adobe, guess what? You're the designer, you're the president, you're the secretary, your business development, you're everything. And so mm -hmm. you have to learn how to do that no matter what company you work for. If you can do that on your own, I mean, and Dub being a great example, and Ruben's not paying me to say this. Like, I don't know if you know this, Ruben, but I've been using Dub for I mean, that's where he gets reached out for like a year, year and a half. Like we use Dub because we use another software that wasn't quite as I won't say the name because a little bit of a competitor, but not really. Dub, the, what you guys put together there was so awesome because I was already doing videos on selling packages and doing these types of things because I knew that that personalization, you've seen an email and it's three paragraphs, you read it and people are like, eh, I don't know. But if I had a video behind it and add some liveliness to it, like there's some good things that can happen there. Now, mind you, that has little to do with, you know, inbound leads. And well, actually it does have to do something with inbound leads because if I get somebody coming to my website they're obviously going to be that much closer to potentially buying something from me because they reached out. Now if we go, we meet up, they see me, we give them a proposal. What I would do is I would always send over the video of me talking about the proposal and how it was going to benefit them. And you could do them in 45 seconds, a minute and a half, because you have proposals that can be daunting, right? And they're like, oh, you have this and this. And so I'd say, hey, let me just, I would say, hey, it was great talking with you guys, you know, on Wednesday, but I wanted to also, I also like to do videos with these to kind of better explain what the proposal is all about. And that was gold for these people. And that what that does, it builds rapport and that helps build up your own personal gram because people see you. And then if I was to 
let's say I was working for another company. If I go over to another company, I can bring a lot of those same people with me because of my personal brand and the relationships that I built. Mm. And that's really the key to this whole thing. It's like you're, and I didn't realize this till a little later on in my career, it's really the networking. Like we talk about mm. networking and I remember in college and we talked about it. I was like, oh yeah, networking. And I was like, I don't need a network. Like I'm an entrepreneur. Like I've, I've started a business. I'm, I'm a big dog. You know, I don't, mm. I don't need any help. Do I need a mentor? No. And then all of a sudden I realized, I was like, man, how much further I would have been along if I would have mm. had mentors or, you know, really, really gone hard after the networking side of things. Like now I have a phenomenal network, but I was a little late to the game. But if you have that, like no matter where you're at, no matter if you have your own company, or if you work for another company, if you're bringing a Rolodex of business, you got to be kidding me. And that's all because of relationships and the personal brand that you're able to put out there. Well, this is this is a great opener for, for a couple of uh paradoxes i would say which i love paradoxes because to to solve a paradox or to accept a paradox as it is 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 a lot of fun in and of itself and, and that specifically is is this is when we become a, a squeaky wheel when we start to put our voice out there when we build our stage when we build content and we start to say hey you know what we uh we have a message to share and it's different from someone else's and it's our own it's our own voice inadvertently what happens is is that we take risks and that requires vulnerability it requires failure it requires us to iterate and to have certain very difficult learnings so that we can ultimately uh, accomplish what we're trying to accomplish and overcome the challenges that were you know before us so my question for you Shane Barker is this is how is it that we can overcome the the paradox of the fear of failure, the fear of vulnerability. How can we sort of lean into these things knowing that there's there's a rainbow at, at the end of this? Yeah, you, this is the thing. The fear of failure of not being able to make it or anything like that, that's all natural feelings. Hmm. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you don't press the button, if you don't go, if you don't go and do something that, that is uncomfortable for you, you're not growing. I mean, it's just, if you're in a place where everything is just comfortable and it's that way forever, you haven't challenged yourself. You're, mm -hmm. you're in, a, in a place of mediocrity, in my opinion, once again, and maybe some people love that. That's great. I just want to stay in the middle lane. I don't want to you know, go right or left. I just want and that's cool. But for me, for growth, like I'll give you an example. I, I'm an international speaker and I'm not saying that to brag, but I can tell you my first 10 speaking events, like the 30 seconds before I go on stage, I would go, why am I doing this? Like, why, why, and why in the world knowing that? Because one of the biggest fears other than death is public speaking. So I'm going to get up on this stage and I'm thinking, man, the content I think is average. You know, everybody's going to know this stuff. Like what happens if my zipper is down? Like what happens if I pee? I'm, like, I mean, there's all kinds of things you think about. That you're going through this whole thing and going like, you know, like, oh my God, like, you know, mm -hmm. I, here I am, I'm going to do this. And it was extremely uncomfortable in the beginning. You know, and every time I would go up there and I would get off the stage, I'd have people come up to me and say, man, great presentation, great material. And now I'm not seeing everybody. I wasn't, you know, Tony Robbins. I didn't have people coming up kissing my ring or anything, but I definitely was like, oh, okay. And I started to build that confidence. If I wouldn't have gotten through that, like, hey, this sucks, but I've just got to keep going and, and go through it. Like that's where, that's where the magic happens, in my opinion, is, is when you're in this situation, you're like, man, why am I doing this? You know, I'll give you another example. When I when I was teaching at UCLA, um, I would show everybody my first blog post on my on my website, and they would read it, 
and they would be appalled because they were like, wow, like, how did you get the job here when you clearly <laughs> wrote that blog post in, in crayon or something? Like, how old are you? Like a nine-year-old little boy? I, I'm an okay writer, but not a phenomenal writer. And the reason I would show everybody that, and I was like, okay, now look at an article that I've written today. What is the comparison? And they're like, God, that first article was terrible. And I said, exactly. I sucked. I absolutely sucked. Like the first video, Ruben, I'm sure that you did. I mean, you're strikingly a good man. I'm sure you got the voice of an angel and all that fun stuff. Your first video sucked. I haven't seen it and I can tell you that it sucked. That's just how it goes, but we have to get past that. And so I would show these students and they're like, yeah, but why would you continue knowing your content wasn't that great? I was like, but here I am at UCLA teaching you because of that, because of those blog posts. Mm. You have to like, you, you're always gonna be, if you're not uncomfortable at a certain point doing something, then you, once again, you're complacent. And that's, I'm not saying with every situation you have to like, you know, knock down doors and, you know, and, you know, pivot and do all kinds of crazy stuff. But you definitely have to think about this and say, if I'm uncomfortable with this, you have to be okay with that. And some people aren't. I tell some people, hey, you want to do video, you really should do video marketing. And people are like, well, first time I went to go do a video, I passed out. The second time I broke out in hives. And the third time I broke my leg, I'd say, guess what? Maybe video's not for you, right? Like maybe that's just the way it is. Like maybe it's a sign from, from all the gods that came down and said, hey, you know what? There's, you really shouldn't be doing this, right? right. So that's what I tell people. It's like, right. but at the end of the day, they're, ha they're having a little discomfort or a lot of discomfort is that's the only way that you're going to be able to get to that next stage. And if you're worried about failure, why? Like the whole point I tell people, fail as quickly as you can, as often as you can. And you know what? Take some punches and then you get up and take some punches and you get up again. It's not easy. Right. But if you're scared of failure, is that thing that's going to stop you? There was a, a great quote. I wish I had it right now. It's something like the the lessons, something about like it's not that you're that you're you're failing. It's the fear of starting or something. Mm -hmm. The idea of it is, is like it's OK, like we can start. And if the way that I got here today, the way I'm on this podcast, the way that I taught at UCLA, the way that I've done all the things that I've done is because of my failures in the beginning. You know, great. I can talk about 10 things that I've done. You're like, wow, this guy's really great. I didn't tell you the other 300 things I failed at because we don't have enough time. Like we just don't, we could, Ruben, you and I could, you know, hang out together, drink some scotch, smoke two cigars and 10 days later, I couldn't even be done with all the stuff that I failed at. But that's because all of those were stepping stones. So you take these failures and you go, okay, it's only a failure if you weren't educated and you didn't learn something. So if you went through the whole process and said, hey, I didn't learn anything from that, nothing. How could you not? You lost money, how did you lose money? What do you need to do differently? Right. Like what it what is look at everything that's happened and everything is a lesson. These are all stepping stones to get to that next level. And you should be honored to fail because guess what? You just figured out what doesn't work. And sometimes that can be a very costly lesson. That can be money. That can be a number of different things. Like I had investors in my first business and it failed. You know what the unfortunate part for me was that it was my mom. And you know what's even more unfortunate is that I have to see her every Christmas. You know what's even more unfortunate? I paid her back even though the business failed. My point is, is that sucked, man. I borrowed a good chunk of change. My business failed. And it wasn't like an investor that you kind of like, like, oh, here, I'll pay you in three months. Like I had to see my mom at Christmas. And if I wanted a Christmas present, which I did, I was a good boy all year, except for the investment money. I, <laughs> I was saying, hey, like, you know, here we are. And so my point of that is, is failure should be welcomed. I know it's scary, but we've all failed. And if you haven't failed, then you're just lying to yourself. Like there's lessons all along the way that will help you get to that next level. And you just got to go through it. And so if you're scared of that, I get it. But there's got to be a certain point where you just, you hit the button and say, I'm going for it. And first time you're going to do a video, it's going to suck. I promise you that's mm. okay. 
your second video, your third video, your 10th video, your 80th video, a thousand times better than what you did today because today you don't have the right camera, you don't have the right lighting, you got your lapel thing isn't working. It's like, there's all kinds of things that can happen. It's all learning lessons. And so we <laughs> use that to make ourselves stronger and to be able to do whatever we're gonna do in life, whether that be business or personal. Well, I love this. I love this uh, this rhetoric uh, because it, it's a it's a full circle on yet another paradox, which is statement number one is I want to stand out from my competitors. Okay, I want to be different. I want to be. I want to punch through the noise. Our our inboxes are slammed. Our LinkedIn messages galore. It's it's hard if you're in sales and marketing. It's really hard to get your message out. So number statement number one is I want to stand out from the crowd. Statement number two though should be. If most people feel uncomfortable being on video, then that's that's the that's the gate, that's the weeding process. That's what's going to separate me from my competitors because 95% of the people out there might not yet feel comfortable on video because frankly they haven't put in the practice. So that means I get to live within that 5% realm of people that are actually doing something that we all know has massive, massive lift to sales conversions, to engagement, to just email opens and email clicks. So if you want to stand out from the crowd, understand that most of your competitors are not doing this. And if you're not, you're just in that 95% club. Why not come over and be in the 5% club and just know that it's repetition that makes us comfortable? Yeah, I love that. I mean, I, I once again, I and once again, I, I said this earlier, you're not paying me to say this. Like, that's the reason why we used up. Like, literally, it was because I wanted to, my my proposal versus somebody else's proposal could be the same verbiage, same everything. The differentiator for me is I was building rapport by sending them a video saying, hey, listen, I wanted to go over a few things with this because once again, these are long contracts. I want to make sure we were on the same page. I know when we talked about this, um, the reason I have this in the contract is because of this. I know you had talked about only wanting a three-month contract. I do a six-month contract because if we're really looking to get traction when it comes to content and SEO, you can see from this story right here on Google that usually it takes three to six months. Like I would back up what I was putting out there and video was nobody, whether they knew that to, to do video or wanted to do video. And I agree with you. If you're that 5%, figure out what everybody else is, doesn't know about or doesn't want to do and become that. Right. And, it, and it, is it a challenge? It is. Does it suck to do your first video and send out to the first person? But guess what? You're not going to close the first person. Your video is going to suck, but just keep going. Like it's a, you get to a point where naturally, you know, like I'll give you an example. I mean, this is in, not to, I'm not throwing you into the bus room, but in the beginning of this, we didn't have a title of this thing. You and I jumped on and guess what? These are two guys that have done video and now we're having a productive conversation. Most people that would scare them to death, hmm. right? They go, wait, we don't have a, what's the topic? I need 20 questions. And, but it's because we've done podcast interviews and live interviews and all that kind of stuff. So it's not a problem. Now, would you ask the person that's never done a video to do this? Probably not because they might hmm. not be successful at it. Cause they might go, well, I need a structure. I need this. The end of the day, this is because I've done a lot of video stuff. I've done a lot of interviews. I've interviewed a lot of people. So I'm better at it. But my first interview sucked. We had foundation. We had questions. We knew what we were going to talk about. And I'm a, a, I mean, I'm, I, you know, somewhat entertaining. I'm, you know, once again, because of lighting, I'm okay looking for the most part. My wife likes me. So that's, I mean, that's all the person I need to satisfy really for the next until I die um, for the most part. So, you know, it's like, like putting that together and, and trying to figure that out becomes one of those things is like, now it's just a lot easier, but it wasn't this way in the beginning, right? Like in the beginning, it's like, now we have two people, you and I can jump on and have a conversation. 
and have value and come up with a title three minutes before we jumped on, which I love. Mm. I mean, that's awesome. Well, I mean, you, you're giving away the most important advice and, and you said it so directly. And I'm just going to reiterate what you said. You attach and you, you connect a video to your proposal for your prospective client. That's exactly what you do. And as a result, you've seen success with that. We love that use case. We built our technology so that people can do that. The problem, paradox, is that most people love the idea, but they don't actually do it. They don't think of it. They forget. They feel like it's not necessary. They feel like the text on the page will speak out scores and it will actually convince the person that there's a human rapport here. Um, how do we really drill that story? And, and just a shout out to Scott Scott Sullivan here, who actually gave us a, a nice, nice little note here. He says, wow, parallel universe. I do the same thing. Video the proposal and let them watch it on their time. So... Yeah, I, I mean the thing is, is if you're if you're not implementing of some type of a video process into your whether it be proposals or anything, it's it's not that you don't have time. It's not. It's that you're still scared. The videos don't take long. My videos are forty five seconds to a hundred for to a minute and thirty seconds. I literally put on there, hey, I just made this custom video for you, and it's a minute and twenty seven seconds, and they can go and watch it. So. It's not, it's great, you forgot. You won't forget after they start closing because you have given them a video and you've explained more than the person next to you. Because if you have two things that are comparing apples to apples, what's gonna differentiate you other than price? And I'll tell people, listen, in the video, I'll tell them, I'm not the cheapest price. If you're looking for the cheapest price, I'll send you a list of 10 guys that will do the most mediocre, amazing job for you that you'll ever imagine. And you're gonna save all kinds of money and have very little success. I've got no problem with sharing that list. I also have guys that are that are higher, that charge more than me. Are they better than me? I'm not really sure, I'm about in the middle. But at the end of the day, if you want somebody that, I'm the owner, I'm doing a video for you, I'm explaining the differentiators between myself and the other people that are out there. Like either you can have a great salesperson that can maybe outsell me, but I can show you results that the salesperson can't show you. Mm. So that's the different, like I'm going in and also, they can hear it at my voice and I'm passionate that I'm excited about working with them. I'm talking about the parallels of other companies we've worked with. You can't, that's not in an email. That's like, that's like saying, well, you know, Hey, I started sending these emails and I, I forgot to put a subject line. No, we put subject lines because we think, God, we need a subject line. So if right. you're saying you're forgetting the video, you're forgetting the video because you don't want to do a video. Yeah. Cause you, if you did 10 videos, mm. I guarantee that your close rate would be higher. I guarantee mm. it because I've seen it. Now, if, and once again, the first one's going to suck. So get over it. The second third one's going to be a little bit better. It's still going to suck. Just keep moving. If you only have three clients, potentially three clients in the world, don't do video because your first three videos are going to suck and then you're going to be homeless. But for everybody else in the world that has potentially 10, I mean, I have potentially millions of potential clients, like anybody that needs marketing, which is pretty much everybody. So I'll go ahead and burn a few things by doing some bad videos because my next 20, 30, 40, and 50, I jump on, I don't even have a script. I don't. I just go. Like I don't like people think you got a perfect script and you got to do this and I got to read seven paragraphs. No, just look at it and say, okay, what am I trying to say? What would you say to somebody if you were on a call? It doesn't need to be perfect. Nobody needs to know you don't have a script. Nobody needs to know that you were supposed to say this at the end. Your call to action. You forgot. Redo it or don't. Mm. Well, at least the, having that. The paradox for that is the better the script, potentially, not always, but most of the time. The less human, the less authentic it is. Still staged. 
it's all staged. Someone else wrote it. So, you know, while while speaking off the top of the dome is sometimes challenging, you know, we do recommend sometimes at least an outline, some bullets, you know, the, yeah. the desktop app, the website, there's a teleprompter everywhere. You got to use the teleprompter. It's great on the mobile app. So at least get yourself an outline. But if you start reading exactly word for word, you might lose some of the humanity. I mean, sometimes it's a little bit of a reminder, but for, for most people, it's just simply reading. So that's just a little public service announcement. No, I agree. You do want to have an outline, but at the end of the day, the first time you do it, you're going to read it. And okay, you're going to go, okay, I got what I'm going to say. You're going to do it, yeah. do it again. And each take takes what, 45 seconds? Like, I mean, yeah. you're, what you're really saying is if you're sending out a contract that's, you know, $5,000 a month for six months, a $30,000 contract, but you don't have time to do a, a, a you know, a ten, spend 10 minutes on a video. Right. Like well, right. I, to me, it's like that you, you just don't get it. You're just scared to death. And I, I get it. But you can't, you can't tell me it's not worth it. Like, cause right. I know, you right. know I mean, it used to be my secret sauce until you guys started doing all kinds of marketing and really screwing it up for people like myself that I'm secretive being doing the video <laughs> thing. And now we got people jumping on saying that I do it too. And now I got to figure out something new. I don't know. Well, but either hey, way. Hey, that's why we have our laboratory. So stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I was going to say that uh, Rob, whom I work with, we have a YouTube show called the Rev Show. And it's on YouTube. I encourage people to check it out. But um, he actually asked me, he said, hey, Ruben, you play the guitar. He says, I want you to play Imagine, John Lennon's Imagine for me. And I want you to record it. And I want you to put it out there. And I said, sure, no problem. I know that song. I've played it before. So I've recorded it probably three times now. And I have not yet published it on my social channels. And I, and I found myself now repeatedly making excuses. Right. So I'm, I am, I am self-aware that I'm making excuses. This is not the right guitar. The chorus was not correct. The reverb was, I need 1% more reverb. You know, I'm a, my voice is a little pitchy on, on this one verse. So, you know, I am aware of the fact that I am making excuses of the lack of basically technology or practice or both. But the truth is that I'm afraid. I'm afraid to go put myself out there basically playing one of the best songs ever written, you know, yeah. um, on the internet. So I've realized that the only way to overcome this is through repetition. And then of mm -hmm. course the paradox with repetition is that it's not repetition because every time I play Imagine by John Lennon, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit better. I remember one more line. I don't flip mm -hmm. the chord. I'm able to do the transition. I'm able to get the dynamics you know, I can actually get the song to a place where I can perform it. And the last time I played it, I was like, wow, you know what? I feel a lot better now than what I did in the beginning. And the only solution to that was repetition. So if people yeah. out there are not feeling comfortable doing videos, just remember, don't be afraid to record that video 10 times. Just record yeah. it because eventually it's going to get to be three times and then two times and maybe one time, but at least one or two times. But it just takes practice because no one was born with the DNA of being comfortable on video. Video has not been around for <laughs> over 120 years. We're yeah. all relatively new at it. It's it's repetition, like you said. I mean, it, it really comes down to your first one. You know, Ivar says 100 times is going to not be great, and you're going to eventually get better. And you're going to go, you're going to hit number 10 and go. You know what? There we go. That one I feel like was good, good enough to get out there. Great. Now the next one, it won't take as much time, especially if you're saying a lot of the same stuff. Like if you've already, if you're a salesperson, you've said this, you know, you say a lot of the same things, 
It's the same thing in video. Just act like you're talking to somebody. Mm. I, what I do is you can, you know, you can share your screen. You can do whatever you're going to do, but you, the idea of it is just, just to try it and give it a try and, and do it in it over and over and over and you will get better. But it's like anything, like when you first shot a basketball, were you great? No, you were not. Like think about anything you do in life. The first time you do it, you didn't crush it for the most part. You just don't, right? It's like, you suck and crush it. You got to practice your layups and you got to practice your free throws. I mean, that all takes repetition. Whether you want a six pack, you might've, you know, might've been born with a six pack as you're you know, a little kid or something. There's a certain point where you got to quit eating cupcakes and you got to start doing some crunches. That's going to take repetition. And so that's everything, anything of value for the most part is going to take something maybe is a little uncomfortable. You know, when we talk about working out, it's going to be sweating. It's going to be pain. It's going to be all this stuff. But if you're looking for a certain goal, you have to go through these trials and tribulations to be able to do that. I think it's just an important part of, of learning and growing. Fear is our friend. And the reason why fear is our friend is because, number one, it reminds us that we're a human being. Number two, it reminds us that whatever we're afraid of, we just need to practice that, research it, gather the information, get the details down to a place that we're comfortable with. Number three is this idea that our competitors are probably feeling the same thing, which means yeah. that if we just overcome this, we can persevere. So fear is our friend. It's a very important thing to remember. And it took me a very long time to, to realize that. And I'm, and I'm, of course, still working through this because I deal you know, every day we feel fear every single day. So, yeah, it, it's a work in progress. It always is. But it's you. there'll be a point where it clicks. Right. There's a point where I go on stage now is, you know, talking about fear when before, man, there was two or three times that I almost didn't go on stage. Mm. Like I was just like, I don't know why. Well, I don't know why I continuously like to get punched in the face apparently, but I'm like, this is, you know, I'm looking around, there's no alcohol around me. I'm like, how am I going to get through this? Right? Like if I don't like, I did have one place it was super funny. They were like, Hey, you want a shot of tequila before you go on stage? I was like, I do kind of, but I'm going to, thank you so much. So I was tempted. I was like, maybe that would either, maybe, maybe I'll be great at that point. But they'll be like, wow, he smelled like tequila. Maybe we shouldn't have him on stage again. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it gets better and better over time. And if, and when, and I love the fact that you said, if your competitors are nervous about it, not doing it and you are, that's how you're going to break through. Nice. And I think, you know, to answer your question about how we can be better, if more and more people are, are using video and using this, this methodology, I think for me, it comes down to, I think it really comes down to two words. Number one is creativity. And number two is personalization. Personalization is all rooted in how much research did we do on the other person? How much do we know about their goals, about their business, what they're up to? And then creativity is how can we use um, visual, audible, storytelling, uh, any type of method, any type of vehicle to really engage the person? Because if we're just talking as a talking head directly to camera saying something generic, it's probably not the most creative thing. Whereas if we're starting to use uh, you know, magnifying glasses where we can get some funny looking eyes zoomed in like in the movies, then we actually might get, get someone's attention. Creativity is is truly is truly infinite. It's just about going deep and really finding what's unique and what, what's authentic, frankly. Well, and that creativity will come over time, right? Once you become more comfortable, you're like, oh, okay, this feel like this is good, but I'm willing to break it up a little bit and do something a little different. So that once you break nice. out of that comfort zone of of like, okay, I've already done this video, I stand up straight, I do this, and this is how I do it, and I've got this frame. Great. Now I feel like I can move around a bit. I mean, it's the same thing. I, I keep saying speaking, but you know, in the beginning, you're in front of your laptop, you're you know, the podium, you're super, you know, you're good because you got the podium in front of you and the audience. So you you can look at your slides and do this. Next, you know, you're walking around the stage a little bit. Next, you know, you're talking a little bit, you're dancing, you're pointing at people. Like 
that's the, you start off behind the podium and then all of a sudden you're like, Hey, this is my stage. Like, I'm not worried about anything. You don't need to have to look at the whole state or the whole audience and, and assume that they're looking, that they're naked. Right. Like that was the big thing. You know, just everybody's naked. You're going to be fine. And now you're out on stage pointing at people. Uh, you know, it, it's, that's where you, the comfort, you get out of that comfort zone and it's going to happen over time. Mm, so well said, so well said. Well, tell me, Shane, where can we learn more about you? Where can we see you on stage? Where can we subscribe to your channels, connect with you, learn about your business? Give us some cues here. I love it. Yeah, yeah. You can go to just shanebarker.com. That's S-H-A-N-E-B-A-R-K-E-R. That's my main website. Um, once again, I have Celatech. If you're in the Amazon space, you're an aggregator or a company that's you know looking. We help people take down negative reviews. We do all kinds of stuff there. Um, FBA reconciliations, FBA refunds, all the fun stuff. Um, that's going to be Celatech. That's S-E-L-L-E-T-E-K.com. And then Cloud Consulting, if you just happen to be a government agency that you know, has some funding and is looking for me to come in and educate your people through webinars and all the other fun stuff um, through one-on-one -on -one consulting through my team. Then that can happen at, at cloutconsultingllc.com. Very cool. So shanebarker.com, that's a great place to visit or check out some of Shane's uh, websites for his businesses. Um, what about social channels? What's your number one, number two social channel? Yeah, real active on LinkedIn. So you just put in Shane Barker. I'm, I'm going to be number one there um, on Instagram. I'm on Instagram, my content, you know, it can always be improved. I'm a little bit, you know, eh. but you can go to Instagram, shanebarker.com or on Twitter, um, uh, Shane underscore Barker um, is where I'm going to be out on Twitter. Awesome. Well, Shane, thank you so much for your time and uh, really appreciate you. And thank you for the insight. I mean, this was super tactical. <laughs> Definitely learned a lot here, Shane. So thank you so much. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you, Ruben. Thanks for the invite, bud. Thanks. Stick around for some notes.